Welcome to the gym session, brought to you by Sportsmate Mobile and Footy Live. It's time to chat all things football with your host, Jimmy Sabo. Hello and welcome to the gym session. I'm Jimmy Zabo and I'm recording here today thanks to Sportsmate Mobile, TLA and the Footy Live app. Please download the Footy Live app for all your stats, scores, news, highlights and hot takes and make sure you do the update too because we've got a lot of cool things happening. We've got a really exciting show today. I've got Conrad Marshall coming on to chat. He's one of my old lecturers and despite that, he's actually agreed to talk to me again. He's a writer for Good Weekend and the author of three brilliant Richmond Football Club books. He'll speak speak to me about that, his experience in the Inner Sanctum, and what it was like to teach me at uni. Gordo and Nico, they're coming on to give us a chat and uh, talk about all things that happened over the weekend on the Monday review panel on a Tuesday, and I'll read out some of your tweets as well and your emails. Uh, hashtag the gym session to get involved, please, and tell us what you thought of the game on the weekend, uh, round two in general. It was actually a brilliant round of footy. We learned a lot. We learned the Tigers are still good, North are still bad, and Carlton are as reliable as Melbourne weather. We also got a COVID scare in Queensland, which forced the Pies match with the Lions to be moved from the Gabba to Marvel Stadium. And the worst part of all that is now we can't even get the Collingwood fans out of the state for at least a few days. No, but it's a bit of chaos, but hopefully we can make it all work, unlike this podcast, but we'll give it a shot anyway. And before we get to our guest of the day, let's wrap up the weekend with our wonderful round recap. Yes, Jimmy! Jamie Elliott looked like Billy on Thursday night, leaping, gliding and springing in front of the crowd. They danced along with him until a mistimed pirouette ended his evening early. It didn't matter though, as Collingwood looked a million bucks, proving they're very much out of Carlton's teague. Adams and family controlled the midfield while Lockie proved he was just another hero with no superpowers. Batman, Iron Man and Plowman. Although he's yet to beat a baddie. Or a forward for that matter. Fires by 21. This recap isn't as long, although the Lions wished it was, needing just a couple of extra seconds to win the game. The umps made sure Zach couldn't bailey them out, although that decision wasn't as bad as Brisbane's kicking. Great Scott gave the Cats a one-point win, although that's the only point he had for the night. No excuses for that quarter-time spray or the haircut. Sydney fans were glad to go to the footy with their buddy on Saturday, while their side turned out to be the ultimate wingman. Now they can't stop scoring. 37 goals in two weeks gave the Swannies a six-goal win, the same amount Tex kicked, walkering back into form. Bombers fans are hurting more than their injured players as Port realise this is actually real life, not just a fantasia. Horazio helps, as does Houston not having a problem, while Hinkley proved adding butters into the mix isn't actually unhealthy. Port had the power to win by 54 points. The classic rivalry of Saints vs Demons was well and truly alive on Saturday night, with evil prevailing. The only thing worse than the Saints not saving their faithful believers was the foot skills on display. Oliver, Petrarca and Salem were influential, but the most exciting player of the night, you wouldn't pick it. These by three goals. Dockers have started prescribing North games instead of sleeping pills after the Ruse 59-point loss to the Gold Coast. Fans stayed awake, though, and are now keen to change their nickname to the Andersons. He was brilliant while it took Miller just seconds to make his presence felt. Alice is in Wonderland and Stewart is due for a finals berth. It's very early, but they're doing weller. Jack was back at the MCG on Sunday with a bag of four, but once again, it was a dusty playground. It proved too messy for the Hatchling Hawks, who couldn't keep the great man down, despite fatherly words of encouragement from Daddy Clarko. It might be an early bark, but the Dogs and Eagles put on what could be the match of the season, while Tim Kelly proved to be the air beneath Nick Nat's wings. The little pups were more than happy to feast on midfield scraps. This week's Marvel superhero, however, was none other than the Big Bont, whose clutch kick in the dying minutes clipped West Coast wings for good. Dockers drop anchors for a living, but it's GWS who are stuck on a sinking ship. Leon Cameron is staring at a giant problem as his team seems unwilling to run, hunt or fight. Forget green shoots, it was a purple haze of positivity for Fremantle, whose mixture of young gun and wily vets filled their boots on the stat sheet. Anchors up, these Dockers are ready for sunnier shores. Okay, today's guest is not only a mentor and idol of mine, he's one of the country's most brilliant writers. His extraordinary storytelling through insightful feature pieces in The Good Weekend and detailed inner sanctum descriptions in his three Richmond Football Club books has seen him win the biggest prize in Australian sports journalism and also become Tiger fans' most loved individual outside the four walls since Mick Malloy. 
This man has given the gift of inspiration to the students he's taught, unprecedented access to the fellow members of his club, and true happiness to anyone he's met or read his work. I'm honoured to have him here on the podcast today. It's Mr. Conrad Marshall. How are you, Conrad? Wow. That is the loveliest intro I reckon <laughs> I've ever had, James. Really? Um, and, and, yeah, and... Well, from such a great student of mine as well. Oh, thanks, um, man. No, it's lovely to be here. Yeah. Right, well, you've, you've obviously you're a senior writer at the Good Weekend magazine. You won the Harry Gordon Award as the Australian Sports Journal of the Year in 2019. Written for The Age, the Sydney Morning Herald, the Melbourne Magazine, the Indianapolis Star, Florida Times Union, the Post Star. Where does speaking to me for the Footy Live app rank for you? <laughs> well, I'll, I'll give you an answer that Kane Lambert, um, gave me once when I asked him, I asked him what was the most important moment that you sort of um, had over the past couple of years, you know, mm. with this journey with Richmond. What was the what was the greatest moment? And he was like, Conrad, I love to live in the moment and understand that I'm present in it. So my favourite moment is the moment I'm having right now, sitting here talking with you. So my my favourite moment, yep. James, is standing here in the, the offices of the age in a quiet room talking to you. Brilliant. I love that. And I remember reading that too. That was great. Um, have you started writing your fourth book about the Tigers still in the three-peat yet? <laughs> I have not. I have <laughs> not. I'll have to wait for an invite back in. You'll notice that the um, the access that I've been given is sort of progressively lesser as the books sort of mm. um, go through. So it was a full year, or actually two years embedded with Richmond for the first book. The second one, Stronger and Bolder, was a final series, or rather two final series, yep. uh, 2018 and 2019. And then the hard way, because of um, Amazon being already involved and the difficulty with getting into hubs, um, that book was put together by interviewing mm-hmm. off-field leaders only and after the season. So who knows what that means the fourth book would be. It, <laughs> there wouldn't be much left um, if, we got, if we went any further down, but... Um, I am actually working on a little project writing um, a little bit about Dustin Martin. I'm not interviewing him per se, just sort of chatting the people in the club. But, yeah, I believe he wants to um, launch another book at some point. And so I'm um, busy sort of gathering stories about um, the great man. Mm-hmm. Hey, quickly, in that last book, because I know obviously the previous two you were in inside the club and that sort of thing, you, you've written it post-season like you mentioned but how quick did was that turnaround because it was like we found out you were writing the book and then the next minute it was out it was pretty wild actually yeah. the day after the flag um the publisher my publisher jeff slattery managed to sort of convince um simon matthews at richmond to to give it the go-ahead mm. and after that the book was due in two weeks so i um I basically interviewed people nonstop over the following seven days. Although when I say nonstop, I, I was working full time at my other job, so it was basically all day <clears throat> on Good Weekend and then all night on um, on the book. Mm. And yeah, the second week, I, I guess I wrote it in seven days. Basically, um, it wasn't you know, as big as the other books, but there was still I think about thirty five thousand words yeah. in seven, seven days. days. So, yeah, it was a bit of a it was a sprint, that's yeah. for sure. But it didn't feel like it at the time, sitting there hour after hour after hour, <laughs> cranking it out. But um, hopefully it didn't come across as um, too sloppy in the, uh, the finished product. No way, mate. It was brilliant. Uh, can you explain, if you rewind a bit, how you actually gained access or inside the club, first of all? I believe it was 2016 when you first went in there. How did you, how did you manage that and manage to, I guess, win them over and stay for the, uh, for the big three years, well, two years. Yeah. Well, I think I, I approached them in late 2015, immediately after that um, terrible uh, elimination final loss to North Melbourne. Yeah. Um, there were a lot of people sort of screaming about burning, you know, melting memberships mm. and all that sort of thing again. And I don't know, I just saw a team that looked like they were getting more mature and better and just, you know, that fell apart on a, on a big stage. So I think I wrote a really positive column to that effect um, that was published in The Age. And after I'd written that, I approached the club through the guy I mentioned before, Simon Matthews, the head of communications there. And he'd read the column and he kind of, I must have caught him in a good moment. He liked the idea. And um, and when he liked the idea, that meant he, he would take it to the board and to leadership. Um, but probably the biggest one to get over the line was 
Um, Damien Hardwick, you know, you needed yeah. his yes before everyone else would sort of fall into place. And just fortunately, you know, Jimmo had been overseas uh, doing one of his little research trips, checking out US football teams and things. And he had been reading a book um, about an NFL team, the, the Jets. It was a, uh, it was called Collision Low Crosses. Great book um, about a year inside the New York Jets. And so I think I just caught him at a really lucky moment as yes. well where he could sort of see the potential in, in a book that really gets into the nitty-gritty and the granular of, uh, of day-to-day life in a big AFL club. So he said yes, everybody else came on board and then it was just up to me to sort of carve out as much time as I could to hang around there and not sort of get in the way or um, make my presence felt. So I didn't sort of um, try to kind of buddy-buddy up with, everyone so much as just be this observer um, off to the side, constantly taking notes and then occasionally pulling people out to have a, a longer chat about their role in the club. And that just became a really good connection over over a couple of years and, and has remained that way ever since. Yeah, so was he like that at the start then, Dima? Was he, was he open um, or was it kind of like, oh, make sure you don't mention this or be careful what you write? Was he reserved? As, as they went on... Um, you know, they were acutely aware of my presence in the room, so they'd say something, and then there'd be this laughing sort of swear, don't, don't write that down, Conrad, <laughs> you know, over in the corner. Yeah. Um, but uh, he, he was open in the sense that he didn't mind me having access to almost anything in the club, but I'd never talked to him that much. Like, it's mm. always hard to carve out interview time with him. Yeah. Sorry, when I say I didn't talk to him much, I would chat with him, yeah. sit around and you'd have lunch, but... Actually, getting him to sit down for an interview, he's always been the hardest person at the club to, to find yeah. the time, other than, of course, Dustin Martin, Dusty. who, I've, who I've never interviewed. But, um, yeah, he was very open and happy to have everything reported, but um, a very difficult man to, to get to sit down and chat. Mm. Did you ever try and talk to Dusty? Or did, did, you, did you speak to him yeah, outside of not so an interview? Yeah, no, I put... Um, I put you know, various sort of requests through to the people that um, I thought could get it done, whether it was the football manager in Tim Livingston or through the sort of the media department saying just if they have any sway over what, what he's doing. And then I also got lots of people who are close kind of um, confidence in his, whether it's sort of mindfulness coach Emma Murray, with whom he's really close, or people like Ben Crow just sort of suggesting hey, you know, would you mind just letting Dusty know that I'd love to talk to him and mm-hmm. I mean him no harm, you know. Yeah. Um, but none of it really seemed to work. He's just, um, until the last year or so, and in particular the last month, um, he's just been really set on uh, not talking to media and I sort of completely understand why, you know. he got. Um, I think it was really rough for him mm. in his early days in the league. Like at the very first press conference, somebody asked him to stand up and lift up his shirt so that they could see the, yep. the tattoos on his on his midriff. So it's like he's a shy 17-year-old kid yep. and you're making him sort of stand up and be a show pony in that way. And, and I reckon that sort of set him on this path of if I don't have to do it, I'm, I'm not going to do it. And yep. then somewhere along the line, that just becomes habitual. It just becomes the way he operates. So I don't begrudge him not speaking to me at all. Yeah, and Marlon Pickett, you, you got to speak to, which was um, you've written some some great pieces on him. What's he like to to talk to? What's he like behind the scenes? Yeah, he's a lovely guy, yeah. really really quiet, but also a bit of a, a leader because I think he, you know, he has that weight of experience, having um, well, for one, played uh, in a men's league over in Perth while sort of raising a family and, and coming from the background that he does and the whole experience with prison. He's, he's got this sort of um, this life experience to share. And so even though he you know, only came to the club halfway through the 2019 season, people were already telling me that he was very much a leader out on the, on the field and off the field, you know, taking guys aside, having really quiet, steady um, kind of words with them. Um, he doesn't speak um, a lot. He's not a, not a chatty guy, yeah. but um, I don't know, people just seem to fall into his orbit and, and they got really close to him really quickly. Perhaps because he also went through so much in those first months at Tigerland. There were all these, you know, deaths in the family. So he was constantly flying back and he was injured as well. Like it was a really rough year until 
a chilled out fairy tale um, <laughs> one day in, in um, September or was it early October? I can't recall. But yeah, um, interesting guy. Unbelievable. Well, you, you've seen everything. You know all the secrets. If you had to write a quick paragraph um, to summarize why Richmond's been successful, what, what would it say? Um, I, I think it would be all about connection. It would be yep. all about that, that really conscious choice that they made to go down this path of investing not in strategy and tactics or, you know, new workout gear in the gym, but in relationships. Mm. And we're probably, I mean, definitely people outside of Richmond are sick of hearing vulnerability, authenticity, <laughs> all these sort of messaging that comes out of Tigerland, celebration, you know, enjoying the moment. But I just think all of that stuff through whatever programs they put in place, the Triple H sessions or various storytelling on Dimmer's part, Mm. All of that stuff, I think, is just fed into this common connection in that group. And it just brings new people in, new draftees in, new staff in every year and grows stronger and stronger. And that's why we're the, the juggernaut we are. <laughs> <laughs> that's it. One of those reasons also is is uh, Shane McCurry, who I, I think that um, he doesn't get the credit he deserves. I mean, you've written brilliantly about him and and Richmond people talk about him, but can you explain to those others his his actual role and some of the activities that he gets the group to do? Yeah, he's the culture and leadership sort of consultant um, for the, the club um, and, and for the team, and uh, he's an amazing figure who I don't think gets the credit, not because Richmond don't believe in him, but because he, he sort of keeps a low profile. Mm. Like, you'll notice that, uh, if, you know, if you listen to sports radio or whatever, you're always going to occasionally hear Emma Murray talking about mindfulness or you're going to hear Ben Crow talking about embracing your weird and, you know, the fact that he does mentoring with Dusty and Peggy and, yeah. and whatnot. They, they make themselves available when asked, whereas Shane McCurry doesn't. I can't recall there ever having been an interview with him either in print or, um, or on TV or on radio. He's just a largely silent figure. But what he is is the guy who puts together the culture and leadership program, the Richmond Man sessions that we've all heard so much about, and he facilitates them and he creates this really warm space for the players to kind of explore who they are and figure that out so that they can show up in the world in the most, um, in, in the best possible way. And that can be anything. It can be watching a movie and then getting together into groups and kind of writing out what you think the key takeaways are. Or it can be sitting in a drum circle in the old change rooms with like 40 guys and, you know, 12 coaches all bashing drums in unison under the conduction of like a Senegalese um, Congo player um, just in order to sort of get connected, which is what they did the day before they won the um, preliminary final in um, 2017. He's got all these wild things. I've sat there in the corridors at Richmond listening to them kind of hooting and hollering on the other side of the door in the auditorium and then they come spilling out one player on the, the back or the shoulders of another. All of them just walking around the halls with like Dustin Martin carrying Marlon Pickett and you know um, Dave Asprey carrying Shane Edwards and I forget what it was about. I think it was somebody like Ryan Garthwaite had carried Sydney Stack back from the MCG one day after Stacky injured himself in a VFL game and Shane wanted to sort of ram that message home to the guys that you're all there to help carry one another. So there's weird and wild stuff and more traditional team building stuff, but Shane is the man that makes all of it work and he's integral to that Richmond culture. Mm. They say you, you shouldn't meet your heroes and I can remember you know, doing work experience at Hawthorne when I was in high school. And I'm not a Hawk supporter, but I, I can remember thinking, I'm, I'm kind of glad that I'm not because there are times when, you know, people you admire can let you down or leave you with a bad experience. Did that happen to you at all? Do you do you look at Richmond or some of the players differently now that you've seen them so close and you've seen everything? We'll be back after a quick break.
No, I've been really lucky in that regard. I mean, if you think about it, um, apart from uh, some sort of beat-ups and things last year, there's been a really kind of a, a very well-behaved sort of exemplary group who's been really, really successful over the years that I've been associated with them. So it's sort of been largely happy times. Mm. So I've been, I, I just think I've been really fortunate because I know, I know what you mean about meeting your heroes, but I, I certainly haven't been let down by any of them. And, um, and I think uh, really you get a pretty good reflection of who they are when you sort of hear them in media and talking. Like somebody asked me the other day, is there somebody at Richmond who's totally misunderstood that you wouldn't think he is that way um, uh, when you meet him in person? And like, I really couldn't think of one, mm. to be honest. They're all, they're all sort of what you expect them to be, um, which is you know, a really pleasing thing to, to think that they're not putting on a front uh, for the world publicly and then being someone different in private. They're, um, they are who they are. Mm. I know you've surely got a like, heap of memorable stories from your time there, and I know there are things that you couldn't have included or haven't included in the books because of maybe confidentiality at the time or not wanting to paint the club in a certain way. Is there any exclusive content you can give me that you didn't include in the books that you wanted to write or anything that springs to mind? Well, yeah, <laughs> then I'd be giving it out in public and, and breaking that um, cone of silence. But, I mean, there was so much stuff around tactics, I would say, that just got cut, like yeah. just got immediately redlined. Um, particularly around sort of the, the titles of various, Christ, even titles of drills they would um, they would redline oh, really? from yeah. the books. But um, yeah, I think of one that I, that I've mentioned in a few um, chats here and there. So I guess it's not um, it's not a state secret <laughs> anymore. But back in 2017, and they might not even have this role anymore. But they yeah. they used to have a role um, that occasionally Josh Caddy and the likes of Dustin Martin. Um, would play, which is up in the forward line. And they're, they're sort of largely one out, um, or at least they have a lot of space around them so that they have this freedom to do what they need to do. Um, and it sort of suits Dusty really well. The role was called the Trump. Um, mm. And it was called the Trump um, because he does what he wants. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's really like that. Yeah. And they had so many more names of, of that kind of... Um, yeah. You know, they just come up with these silly titles for um, intricate um, tactical positioning. Yeah. But, um, yeah, I could fill another book with all of that stuff. Yeah, that'd be good. Um, I need your help, though. So, Jason Castagna, I praise him a lot, and my mates give me a bit of stick about it because, um, you know, they think he's not that flash. But, but I think, it, like, you've got to – they think I back him up because he's Italian, he's a bit short. Uh, but I think he does a lot of selfless acts and one percenters, and we see it. I know you – you love uh, love Jace, Georgie. What can we do to get him more praise? What's he like behind the scenes? Maybe that can convince him. <laughs> I don't know how. He, I've been fighting this battle for so long. Yeah, so have I. People <laughs> of Georgie's value. And all I can say is that, like, I mean, I was talking to Damien Hardwick the other day for, um, for something else entirely. And we were talking about this notion of structured players and unstructured players, which yeah. Richmond had. So they have. An unstructured guy is a guy like Shane, Shane Edwards or, mm. um, you know, Bolton or, or Dusty. You know, they, there's, there's a framework that they play within, but they have a lot of freedom too. And then there are structured players. And structured players are people like Camden McIntosh and Marlon Pickett mm. and Daniel Rioli and George Castagna. Yep. He's like, he's number one for it. And the stuff that he's doing, um, all that defensive positioning and pressuring and whatnot, we notice it sometimes when it's really grand, like when it's a rundown tackle from behind or he's putting on immense pressure and it forces someone to spray the kick. But that's really just the tip of the iceberg of mm. the work that he's doing. So if he has two months in which he doesn't, you know, kick many snags and stays in the team and people are wondering why, it's because of the stuff they're not watching. Like they're not watching him closing up lead lanes. They're not watching him sprint to the edges of the bubble to make sure that there's no exit there for the opposition. Um, and I, I, I get why. That's not an exciting part of the game to focus on. And indeed, if you're watching it on TV, you'll never be able to see it anyway because the camera doesn't capture yeah. it. But just rest assured, the guy is working his ass off and that's why he played 
more games in this um, in this era of Richmond success that we've had than anyone else. I think I just saw that stat online this morning that he's played 94 out of a possible 97 games since the start of the 2017 season. Yeah. And there's a reason. Yeah, it's incredible. I'm going to clip that up and I'm going to bring it with me everywhere I go. Um, <laughs> as it, So 2020, I'll end up with this. So what have you made uh, this season? Because I know people are going to say, oh, it's just a Richmond chat. No, we're talking about all 40. So... What have you made of the season so far as a whole? Do you think the game's fixed uh, because of this rule and the high scores? And which team are you most worried about for the Tigers? Yeah. Um, well, I think that rule has been amazing. I was certain that it was... I, I wasn't certain about what it was going to do to look at the game, but I was certain that there would be all these horrible 50-metre penalties that were a terrible yeah. injustice and, and it was just going to be fans tearing their hair out. And we haven't seen that at all, really. Mm. And then on top of that, suddenly, like, the game is open. And you can still be defensive, but teams are scoring more, big key forwards are landing bags of goals. I I just, whoever came up with it, I honestly think there'd be a great little newspaper story in, in figuring out who it was that yeah. first came up with it. I yeah. mean, I don't want to read it if it's Steve Hocking here, but if there was some underling within yeah. the AFL who, who was like, how about we do this? Yeah. Far out, give them a medal. It's, it's been amazing. Like, footy's been enjoyable for the last four years because, for me, because Richmond have been so great. But yeah. if you took our success out of it, I see why fans were getting a little bit upset about those rolling malls and low scores. And this has just changed. It's been a total game changer. Yeah. Do you um, think the coaches will... I forget what, sorry, do you think the coaches will change it, though? Do you think it can stay like this for, for the remainder of the season? I mean, they'll find ways to get around it for sure. And I mean, look at, you know, Richmond versus Hawthorne on the weekend. It was a nice free-flowing game, but it certainly wasn't as high-scoring yeah. as some of the others because you've got two defensive masterminds in in the opposing coaches' boxes. So they'll, they'll keep it controlled, but I still think you'll see lovely kind of foot passing and breaking in the space. Now, it might not always lead to a goal. They'll find a way to fold back and, and stop stop um, hemorrhaging scores but I think you'll still see a much more kind of attractive brand mm. of footy. Yep. And the team yeah. you're most worried and about? The team I'm most worried about. So before the season I would have said Geelong and yeah. they're still incredibly strong and I guess Jeremy Cameron still would come back in but keep sort of changing on that now. Like mm. the Bulldogs look back to their best and they seem to mm. have plugged every hole slowly over the last couple of years whether it's recruiting a guy like Keith to just sort of stand in that defensive slot so that Norton can go forward yep. or bringing in Steph Martin as like support for Tim English mm-hmm. and then getting Trelaw, which adds to that midfield depth. And they just seem back to their damaging best, so they're a worry. And you can't ride off Port Adelaide as well because yeah. they're just, they'd be burning from last year. And they've got such great young, young talent to go with this maturity. And they're one of those teams that has a home ground, which is a really strong advantage. So I'd say right now it feels like Port and the Dogs will be the teams that worry me most. Mm-hmm. Well, let's hope that they uh, they don't get it done and uh, the Tigers will win three in a row and you can um, publish another book. That'll be good for everyone. That would be where, nice, where can yeah, we, um, Everyone bo- can enjoy that. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> where can we buy your books and read your work, Conrad? Uh, you can get most of our books at, uh, at good bookstores. Um, you can pick up the uh, the Good Weekend magazine that comes out with the AH or the Sydney Morning Herald every week. Mm-hmm. Um, and failing that, you can jump onto my um, poorly named um, personal website, beautyandstrangeness.com. Hey, I like that name, beautyandstrangeness.com. <laughs> I'll put it in the description as well so people can check it out. Awesome. I love it. All right, end off with 10 quick questions, Conrad. This, this is the fun yep. part. Okay, and you always taught me to end with something fun. So here we go. All right. <laughs> Good lesson. Your favourite movie? Uh, Train Spotting. Uh, you're a slow smoked barbecue enthusiast. What's your favourite thing to throw on there? Beef brisket. Beef brisket, yep. If you could have any role at the Richmond Football Club right now, what would it be? Assistant to Shane McCurry. Yes. Who has been your favourite student and why was it me? <laughs> <laughs> well, it's not because of your football abilities. Uh, you know that I don't really adore the round ball stuff. Yes, but, I know. Um, yeah, you're a great, great writer. <laughs> Thank you. Appreciate that. Who's your idol? Oh, um, Gator Lee's former like um, Esquire writer. Who 
Oh, no. What makes you angry? It could be who, but what makes you angry? Traffic. I'm, yes. I'm really not that way. Traffic. Yep. That's my answer always as well. The most embarrassing thing you've had to do to cover a story, and I know there's been a few. <laughs> oh, God. I've, that's such a tough one because I've been, like, naked for stories, yeah. um, like, on several occasions. <laughs> yeah, let's go with that. Yep. Being naked, yeah. Yep. Out of choice as well. Um, your favourite writer or journalist? Oh, you already mentioned. But it's, oh, say, say a journo now. Who's your favourite current journo? Um, if there is any. The great uh, Greg Baum mm. in the sports section yep. at the age. Masterful, masterful writer. Yeah, agree. Uh, the highlight of your career so far, other than coming on here, of course. Uh, I still think it's just publishing the um, publishing Yellow and Black. That season with Richmond, the year I turned 40, that's just magic. Yep. Yep. And the last one, if you could write a feature profile piece on anyone in the world, who would it be? It would be a scoop profile that nobody saw coming, a long-form piece about gay AFL player to come out. Mm. I reckon that would just be amazing. Mm. And I'd love to see it happen soon, whether I write the story or not. Yep. Do you think it will? It's got to at some point, but it's been a long, long time. I mean, rugby league had Ian Roberts, you know, decades ago. Yeah. Um, I don't know what's taking so long with um, with the AFL. Like we, we haven't even had past players come out yeah. and um, and say that they're, they're gay. So uh, there must be something in Clubland that um, that stifles that and makes them think that they can't share that that. Um, that truth about themselves and that's that's just profoundly sad mm, it is sad but today wasn't a sad day for me because i got to speak to you and like i said i could speak to you all day mate i know you're a busy man so i gotta let you go um i can't thank you enough for coming on today i really appreciate it and also appreciate all the help you've given me uh in life really so um thank you conrad oh not at all my absolute pleasure thanks again for having me james no worries mate we'll catch up at the game are you going to the sydney game this week I might. I might. I've booked some tickets and hopefully I'll get there and just have a bit on um, because wouldn't it be nice? I think it's going to be a beautiful day. Yep. Sunshine, Buddy Franklin, Dustin Martin. I want to be there. And the Tigers by 80 points. It's going to be brilliant. Awesome, mate. I'll have a beer with you when you're there, right? <laughs> Cheers. Thank right. you. Thanks, Conrad. See you, mate. Bye. Bye. All right, here we go. Time for my second favourite part of the show. It's when I get to talk to these boys on the Monday Review panel on a Tuesday. Nick Guglielmino and Gordon Meredith. How are you, boys? Always good to be back on the show, but obviously not as upbeat as la- uh, last week, Jimmy. Yeah. For obvious reasons. Obvious reasons. The Hawks uh, went down, didn't they, Nico? They did. They did. And you I was a bit hesitant 40. coming back into the office on you Monday morning. You tipped them by 40, but they let you down. Yes. No. No, it was, a, it was actually... I was just happy to be back at the MCG, to be mm. honest with you. But yeah, with me, you sitting nowhere near me, and we didn't even cross paths because I asked you to talk to me after the game. You said, "No, you're a prick. I, I hate was, Richmond." I was Dollar. out of there as soon <laughs> as the siren went. That's all right, Gordo. Do you have a good weekend? Yeah, it was a pretty decent weekend and a great weekend of footy. And uh, just yeah, good to be back here doing your second favorite part of the podcast. So. <laughs> That's it. Now, other than me, who was your hero of the weekend? Who was the hero of the round? I think the hero of the round has to be the big bond. Clearly the, the, bond, the best, yeah. the best game, best player in the best game of the weekend for mine. Yeah, and again, one of the themes this year has been about superheroes. What's a footballing yep. superhero? What do they look like? Exactly. Where, do they, where do they play? What role do they do? Well, the Bond's not a forward, is he? He's not. No, he's buddy not. kicking a hundred goals a game. He's he's your he's your new school superhero. Yep. He's a bit edgy. He's a bit he's a bit different. He's a bit unique. He wouldn't he wouldn't be you know in a comic strip. He'd be more like off Broadway movie style superhero. Yep. A bit more in touch with himself, a bit more, you know, a bit more hipster or indie, That's but right. still a very, very good footballer. That's right. So the superheroes changed, is what you're saying. Yes. It's not the 90s Don't go looking for the old school superhero. <laughs> These the superheroes in the modern day are very, very different. Yeah. So the question to you, boys, is that schoolyard pick em style, who's the first player you pick, Dusty or Bond? I'll still pick Dusty, to be honest. Dusty. But, and, um, but why? And what does Bond have to do to take the number one claim? Because I reckon, arguably, Bond is a more all-round player. 
Dusty potentially more impactful, but Bont more all round. Well, Bont's more defensive than Dusty because Dusty plays one way and he's got the freedom to do so, and that's the system mm. he plays in. I think Bont that much more defensive. Yeah, I don't know. I just think he can change a game, and and you got to get on his like Dusty goes, "Come on my back when we're in trouble," and Bont is doing that, but not as regularly. Almost, I know you were rolling your eyes then, but he's got a little bit. Maybe maybe go and win a Brownlow, and then I'll and then I'll change my mind. No, no player is better than Dusty at the moment. I don't. I don't even think it's close. To be honest, he's just so impactful. His kicking's mm. incredible. He's probably more of a footballer than he is an athlete. But again, his athletic ability and his physicality—it's just second to none. So was he a hero on the weekend or the round? Dusty? Yeah. No, it was Cozzy Pickett. Surely <laughs> Dusty is his arch nemesis. He's yeah, he slayed the Hawks. So. He did. He did. He yeah. slays most teams he plays. But no, mine was Cozzy Pickett on yeah. the weekend. He was incredible for Melbourne. He, mm. he just looks like that next excitement sh- uh, excitement machine for yep. the next ten years. He's two goals. I'm sure you guys saw them. Yep. Were both beautiful. The first one, he was just weaving through packs and a pack of Saints and managed to get insane. a snap did that away. Get, did that get goal around? I didn't. I don't know if the photo. I, ha- I haven't looked yet because I thought that was better than Adam's goal, the one where they thought maybe it hit the post. But even Gibbons, like that goal there, weaving out in and out of a pack yep. like that, you don't see it that often. That it was up. very Cyril like. Oh, I, I was waiting. You know, Gord, I was going to wait if he mentioned the add. c word because a, a couple of comparisons. I'm not comparing. I'm not, I'm not. Yeah, I know, but I'm not comparing <laughs> the two. But it was very Cyril like. It's similar it? to that goal against Richmond, actually, in Cyril's first year, 2008. Mm. Sure, you. I remember blocked it out of my memory. I don't yeah, know, I'm sure you have. And yeah, even his second goal was good. Just a snap from like forty-five meters out it was yeah. from a small player. It's it's pretty impressive. Yeah, he's so. only played a bit. I think he's played sixteen games um, yeah. for the D's, but he's he's extremely exciting. And I don't know Gordo because they need a key forward. Obviously, we know that, but he brings excitement. So when it hits the deck, he's going to be there. That sort of thing. When Ben Brown comes back, and I know you hate the demons, you don't rate them at all. If he's in form, Ben Brown's in form. Can the D's play finals? Are you going to lock them in? Did you put them in the eight? You no, didn't. You left, no, them out. left them out. Did, did they change your mind on the weekend? Did no. Cozzy Pickett change your mind? No, nothing. Because you, you did watch the game, didn't you? I, I watched the replay. I was at a wedding, but yeah. I did watch the replay. So, like the, the skills the kicking, were horrific. The, yes. That's two yeah. weeks in a row that moment of one games against sides that can't kick the footy. Yeah. Yeah, no, fair enough. Um, but you said Frio was, was a finals team. Did they and not show up against the Giants today on the weekend and did. prove a point? Did they not play clean, they fast, aggressive footy? Did not impact the scoreboard? They did everything <laughs> they needed to do. And in the next four weeks, who they play? They play Carlton, they play North, they play Adelaide, and they play one other bottom bottom six side. Yeah. And they'll be 5-1 and one heading into round seven, a massive derby game against the Eagles. And go. who knows what happens in that one. They could be 6-1 and one heading into the to the third way mark of the year. Was that your highlight of the round then, Frio's win? No, highlight round has to be <laughs> Doggies and Eagles again. Okay. As yeah. I said, best, best game of the best round, game of the round. For, for mine. Yep. But also a game that didn't play out the way that, you know, footy's fix is meant to play out. And that's been mm. my bug, being we need to fix footy. This game was a game of styles make fights. The Doggies are the fast handballing team. They like to go laterally and then go down the line. Yeah. Eagles all play kick mark tempo football. Eagles haven't changed their game plan this year to last year. They want to take marks. They want to win clearances. They want to play it their way. Doggies try to play it their way. Two unique football styles going head-to-head. Mm. Are they the best two teams in the comp? Not by a long shot, but teams having their own unique style makes football interesting as opposed to teams playing the right way sorry I think a couple of years ago um, that, that that last five minutes where it was end to end goals I think that would have changed a couple of years ago I reckon yeah, the, Eagle, the Eagles the Eagles would have shut down the dogs at each center bounce they would have put numbers behind the ball it would have looked completely different so yeah, after um, a goal, 100%, the 666 helps a lot. Mm. Um, but that West Coast style, now that they've got space on the mark, those 45 kicks that they like doing, they like to hold possession, that helps them as well. Mm. And like you said, like it was it was a game of the round. It could be the game of the year because it was yeah, it was bloody exciting and your man stepped up. Nico, did you have a highlight? My highlight was Buddy's return. Oh, um, it Buddy. was just, no, I mean, after 18 months, it was so good to see him back and uh, the crowd loved it. He alone brought the energy back to the SCG. It was a packed house. Uh, the noise whenever he got near the ball just mm. rose. And every goal he kicked, I think, uh, the crowd noise was just a, a, a little bit higher than all, all the rest of them. And that, that's that's what he brings. And that's, you know, he's got that ability to put on a show. And it was good to see him light it up once again. 
It was good. It's just a shame he's going to go goalless this week against the Tigers. Hey, what was your low light of the round, Gordo? Uh, my low light was the uh, the umpire chat. And it started off weird because I think... So not the umpires, just the chat. Just the chat about okay. the umpires. So yeah. it started off, obviously we're talking about the Geelong-Brisbane game. Yeah. Last minute, big umpire, non-call in this situation. Yeah. I think everyone agreed that the umpire made the wrong call. The AFL came out and said, yep, we're sorry, we've made the wrong call. They didn't say sorry, they just... Well, they, they basically <laughs> said sorry. The they fact, said, the yeah, fact we that made they a hosted, yeah, <laughs> we made a mistake. It. And they that's, admitted it. And, yeah. like, and that's what we wanted. And then from there, it was like, well, that's not good enough, blah, blah, blah. You know? But both coaches agree that, yes, technically speaking, that, was, that decision cost Brisbane the game. But... That yeah. didn't actually cost Brisbane the game. Kicking, Brisbane's Brisbane's first quarter cost Brisbane the game. And Brisbane's kicking, kicking, goals. kicking the goals cost them the but game. That's, that's and fair umpires, And umpires make mistakes. And no one's saying that the umpire didn't make but a that mistake. That was the crucial moment. You can, no, that's the point. That's this is this is the point. This is the bit uh, where I I get angry about. Uh, it. It's like because that's not the crucial moment. Umpires make mistakes throughout the whole game. They do. And you're saying that a mistake that they're making. But we're talking about that through, moment. They could have decided a game. Yeah, you're, you're talking do about. Do we know? Do we know why that mistake was made? The umpire the could umpire, see it though. He wasn't blind. The umpire blinded. was right in. No, front he wasn't blind. The umpire it. was right in front of it. He should have paid. You know why I think that mistake was made? Why the umpire wasn't confident enough. He did. He he, he, didn't he, have he the got guts. Lo- He didn't have the guts. That's what he didn't I have think. the guts. He didn't have the guts to make that call in front of the Geelong crowd, and even in the lead up, like home grounds make an advantage. I don't care what anyone there we says. Go, yeah. Home ground's making it an advantage. In the build-up as well, how many frees went Geelong's way or how many calls at the end of the game? It must be an intimidating atmosphere. It's mm. not an easy thing to do. I feel sorry for him, which is why I purposely not gone and said which umpire it is because I don't want to know. Yeah. I feel sorry for the man. But just in that moment, you're just disappointed that they missed out on a blatant call. And they the Lions deserved that. Uh, who was it? Uh, Zach Bailey deserved yeah. to kick that goal. For that Zach Bailey deserved to kick that goal. The Lions didn't deserve to win that game. No, they missed too many opportunities. The Lions were did, not. Were did not Geelong deserve to win the game as well? I think it was fairly even, which was reflected mm. on the scoreboard. And so there you go. As I was saying, like, I just don't either know. team could have won, and it would have been a just result. And one of the teams That's obviously fair, did win. So I don't think the umpires actually played that much of a part in that game. There were there were worse yeah. umpiring games that 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 had, right. I know yeah. there are worse umpiring games that are talked about less. But because this happened at the end, there's a recency bias to the event where we go, that mistake cost them this game. That's not how it works. I know, but you can always go back and, you know, <laughs> judge all the calls. But I just think it's it's one of the traditional rules of the game. and That's never it, called consistently anyway. Exactly, which frustrates me. It should be. It's one of the traditional calls. It never gets changed. It's always holding the ball. You drop the ball. You don't dispose of it correctly in a tackle. Yeah. It's holding the ball, and he was right in front of it. And, and, that's, and that's all fair enough, but the AFL is obsessed with oh. getting the ball in motion, which means they're going to allow you to tap the ball on. They're going to allow you yeah. to throw the but ball a little bit like the doggies like do. I like that because I reckon if you drop the ball, let's say you play it holding the ball like it's always been, it's a free kick, move on now. It's, it, I think it moves the game more if you call holding the ball yeah. more regularly. So I think they've got it of wrong course. in that regard. But, and then, they, of course, they call the holding the balls when there's a pile of players on top of you and it's yeah. physically impossible to dispose of it. <laughs> and they pay that one with zero prior opportunity, but the blatant drop in the ball, yeah, it's they just let go. And we can and feel it's so hates the AFL umpires, umpires manager, Mr. I Richardson, can you them. reach out to nick.wigglyminio at uh, sportsmate.com because he is going them. to volunteer to umpire the next games for free. adjudicated as it should be. You know, It should be professional. Was that your low light, Nico, that moment? My low light was how disappointing the Blues were on oh, Thursday yeah. night. You wanted to rip into them. You were you were set for this Thursday night. You messaged oh. me and you said, "Let me take the low light of the Blues." Do you know why? Because I, I noticed everyone in our tipping competition tips Carlton except it's, for me. I know. And wasn't he quick to remind everyone? Oh. No, you didn't. Good on you. You did even tip them. I tipped Collingwood. That's what I mean. So why are you even upset? You already because knew. Because I knew happen. it was coming. I knew everyone jumps on the Blues after last week. Uh, they put up a good performance like they always do, a spirited fight in round one. They come out <laughs> and, you know, give it up to the Tigers. They still end up losing that game. Yeah. And then everyone jumps on the Carlton bandwagon thinking they've turned a corner, and they haven't. They, It's always the same. It's same old Carlton, and something has to change. They've got too many passengers in their team. Mm. Plowman's been taking the brunt of it, but he's not alone. Liam Jones was awful. Casbolt was non-existent. These are all passengers. Tom Williamson, Jack Nunes, Setterfield is a pick five in the draft and he had nine touches on Thursday night. Paddy Dow is meant to be one of their 
He's meant to have a massive future. He was pick three four years ago. He's a four year pl- fourth year player, and he hasn't had a breakout game yet. Yeah. Their leaders, Mark Murphy, doesn't do anything. He's playing in the forward line. He's non-existent, and oh, I mean Paddy Cripps. Uh, I personally think <laughs> you're, you're, you're not going to be happy with this, but I thought he, was, he, he's, he was really disappointing. He, he was. For me, he doesn't do enough as a captain. Kane Corns was right by yeah. saying no, he no. wasn't a million. He's not a million dollar player. He's a beast of a player, yes, but his football skills do not match um, his physicality. He's, he's kicking. He's shocking. He can't hit targets. He doesn't kick goals. He doesn't, and he knows it. He, he does not have the confidence to hit a target. He would rather. Handball it off to someone to do it for him, and that is not what you want from I a captain. But no, when why not build around a player's skills then? Like Hawthorne has Tom Mitchell, all they do is handball. The doggies have McRae and they have Trelaw, and all they do is handball. I, I knew you were going to bring up the he Tom looks, Mitchell uh, comparison. He looks broken. Though. I mean, that sounds bad. <laughs> he looks like last year broke him. Like it looks like he's a player who is he not injured? Is under pre- well, that's the thing because they asked him in the press conference, "Is he fit?" He says, "Yes, he's fit." He's not going to make excuses. He's not the person to do that. So he, she's out there. He's fully fit. It doesn't matter even if he's got an injury. But I think he got made captain too young. We all know that. He had too much pressure. Like, you want him just to enjoy his footy and get the best out of himself. He's had all that pressure. He's had hub life last year. He's got all the pressure on him now. You can understand why he's playing like that. But it is true, is that you want your leaders to step up in the big moments. You and want them to take week, the big kicks, last do Thursday, the responsible things, he didn't and step he just up. doesn't do And it. the two most disappointing things about that match, Nico... Number one, they cut and laid eight tackles in the first quarter. The first quarter is when you set the tone. When you actually go, hey, guys, we're ready to, for this match. This is an opportunity to beat the arch enemy. The second thing um, that's most disappointing is I tipped him. What an idiot. I, when I did the ladder at the start of the year, we all did. We put Carlton missing out, Collingwood just making it. So when you look at that, we got sucked into round one. Too much. We took too much out of it. If we had like done that year. game, every year we do it. Exactly. I would have looked at that and go, you know what? The Pies are going to win this one. But we got sucked in, and they let you down. They're like Nico. When you think you can believe in him, he lets you down. <laughs> no, I'm joking. I, you always exceed expectations. What's your overreaction to round two other than my little rant? Um, overreaction to round two is that doggies are set for top four. Everyone's buying into the doggies. Oh, really? You just, you just bought into them. You just said they were No, I said it was, ma- I said it was game of the round. But so they can't I don't make think, top four. I don't think their game style stacks up to teams that actually apply pressure. So they're yet to play Richmond. They're yet to play Port. They're yet to play Brisbane. When If, if Brisbane gets back to being the Brisbane of old. You can only beat who you play, Gordo. They play 100%, two which is why I'm saying that if they're going to try and make the top four, then I don't know. I don't think they are. I think they're okay. definitely going to make the finals again. But I don't think they're going to play top four when you have a, a game starts reliant on long and horizontal handballs. So they don't, they're, not, they're not a huge kicking side. They like to have everything by hand. They rely on smaller players. They rely on, yeah, ball travelling. They have the least distance per disposal than anyone else in the AFL, which means if you apply pressure around the ball and around contests and around the ball carrier, you're not going to get exposed over the top with long kicks. So they're going to be super easy for teams like Richmond, like Port, to apply pressure Well, I hope on. so because the Doggies have smacked Richmond in the past mm. playing that brand, so we'll see. But, yeah, there you go, overreaction. I don't... I don't Classify them in top four yet, but the, I've liked what I've seen. What's yeah, your overreaction? My overreaction was Dangerfield playing in a VFL practice match. I think players should absolutely be suspended from VFL games um, in a regular in a normal season, but it wasn't an it wasn't an official match. Which um, yeah, so you're so happy. Like, you're happy for it. you. So the overreaction oh, is it, people's negative commentary around it. Yeah, of yeah. course. It it wasn't an official match, so it shouldn't be a problem. Mm. Let's get to some quick fire questions. I want to ping at you boys. Yep. Um, other giants, is their window officially closed? They can't win the flag. They need this group here is in a rebuilding stage rather than this is our window of opportunity. They don't need a new group. They need a new coach. Get rid of Leon. You're saying he's lost the room. This is this is a Premier League club. This is like Man United at their worst. This is like Chelsea or Man City at their worst. This is this is a team of talented superstar players and future young guns and lots of hard draft picks deciding they don't want to play football for that guy. Yeah, you really bought into that Amazon documentary. <laughs> but no, but no, but you <laughs> no, watched the last two seasons, before, even before that. No, like, I, agree no I agree. How I agree. how can they be I this bad? I agree. With they you. can't. They it's, can't. 
No. I agree they've, they've, they've got all the ingredients in the recipe to bake something nice, if I you know. will, but yeah. they just don't have the method to go with it. Yeah, it like, comes out like you're cooking. It's just yeah, exactly when you make banana bread, it's like it's burnt on the outside, raw on the inside. It's not like what yours. You want. Well, it's just unbelievable because they play like a lifeless. And it was like a training drill against Frio, and it was just and like I hate having to go at you know individuals, so I'm not going to. You know, point out some people, but as a group, it was like, "Where's the passion?" You're not, you're going through the motions here, boys. It's not that tough, ruthless team. And I reckon it broke them when they went prelim, prelim, okay, but then grand final and get smashed. And then you're like, "Where do we go from here?" And that's what it looks like. And maybe, yeah, the coach, hundred percent. You need a refresh. And if it's the same voice for that amount of years, whether he's a good coach or not, I think you need someone fresh mm. and new in there. And I agree with you, Gordo. So it's a close for you. It's close for you. Nico, two weeks for Sam Reid. He's accepted it um, as we speak. It was a couple hours ago. I was recording on this on a Tuesday afternoon. The GWS have accepted their two weeks for Sam Reid, his bump on, or bump, whatever you want to call it, connection with Nat Fife's head. Yes. Yep. So is that fair? Two weeks? Oh, the question should be, is it enough? And that answer <laughs> is no. It's, oh, it's not enough. It, if, if Dangerfield <laughs> gets three weeks, then you've got to apply the same. It's not the same. Though. It is the same because they are judging this off the severity. And they're pretty much saying, hey, look, Sam, uh, you didn't concuss this player as much as the last player got concussed. So we're only going to offer you two weeks. And you're just slightly off concussing him a little bit less no. to get the one week. Yeah, but he How stupid okay, does that I sound? I understand exactly what you mean. A concussion is a concussion, James. And a head injury is a head injury. And if the AFL's as serious as they are, which they're, you know, trying to be, which uh, it's just it's not working. He didn't it's, bump. It, it, uh, he was bracing for he was bracing for impact. It's not like he chose to make the a ball hit the wasn't shoulder. in the vicinity. I understand that, but they were the colliding ball. with each other. And you've played footy as well. If you look at that, if you really play Jimmy, the vision in not in slow Jimmy, motion, the ball wasn't you even brace there. yourself. Your immediate reaction. Okay, the ball is to wasn't your there. Arm in. I'm gonna steal. I'm gonna steal. A, I think it was a David King or Liam Montano experiment. But like we all know that like five is one of the best top five six players in the competition. Yep. So he has very good 360 awareness. Yeah, yeah. Jimmy, yeah, you're concussed, yeah, yeah, yeah. and he was, and he was, and he was, he was, he was disengaged from the from the contest. He wasn't even ready to go yeah. for the ball, look for the ball. He was like, "Yep, I'm just standing down in the field, ready to do the next where the ball goes." And then he got hit. He yeah. got hit. He didn't. He, he, he didn't. He, with no. Sam he Ray. got Jimmy. hit. That's the Jimmy. difference. He didn't choose to make a hip and shoulder. He chose to bump. I'm happy with two. I would, I would have been happy with one. It's exactly the it's same exa- as the Dangerfield. It's, it's not exactly worse. the same. It's worse because the ball it's wasn't worse. there. It's the not ball, worse. At least Dangerfield, Dangerfield was chasing the ball. At least the ball was gone in towards front of the ball and gone and made the hip and shot. Yes, but at I least it was in the vicinity. the ball. The at other guy was, was expecting no, So this is the point. This is the point for me, okay, okay. boys. The whole reason of a suspension is is to make sure that 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 the players now, their natural instinct is to go away from bumping, is to try and take that act out of it. So they don't want to go and, and players making hip and shoulders and things like this. If you watch the vision, mm-hmm. okay, he's in the contest, all right? They're colliding. He's not going looking for Fife. He's not even looking at Fife. He knows that a player is coming towards him. He braces for impact. You don't stand there with your arms up. I don't care if you played Kick or whatever. You're going to know. If a player is coming towards you, you don't stand there and cop it. He had no time to move out of the way. He put his arm here and he made connection. Unfortunately, that's the result. Is well, it a concussion? Well, no, no. So if, if he had it tackled, so you say the whole point of this He couldn't sp- tackle. He exactly, like, he couldn't tackle, so he doesn't need bump. to make contact. You can. You've always but he been taught in footy, to. Shoulders five meters away, yeah. five meters away from the field, or th- you're allowed to bump. Mm. That's what we got taught as well Side when on. you're growing but up. But we're getting rid of the bump now. So but you don't get rid point. of the bump if you choose to bump, and he gets concussed. That's your problem. He, he chose to bump. The, the MRO, just the like MRO Paddy said, it was exactly the same. The only thing different was the severity. Maybe. He didn't say anything yeah. different about the the choice of the bump or. Yeah, the intention, yeah. whatever. He just said the, the severity of, the of it, which is stupid. If he's concussed, he's concussed. You it doesn't matter. You can get concussed. That's the oh, thing. Rubbish, that's the mate. problem is, Nico, is that we're judging it on the result, not the act. And that's what of pisses course me it's off. A, yeah, we all it, agree to disagree. Yeah, um, me off as well. <laughs> uh, are the Pies scoring problems fixed? Because they beat a poor Carlton side. Are they? Well, they kicked goals. Yeah. Finally. No. no. So is everyone this year. And that, well, they took, what did they take? Five marks inside 50 mm-hmm. in round one for the entire game. I think they already get six with uh, three minutes to go in the first quarter. Yeah. So they will get in the space. It's because it's Carlton. They're not fixed yet. Carlton, I mean, Carlton in two weeks have uh, are averaging more inside 50s against and more scoring shots against than North Melbourne and Adelaide. 
So they're not Carlton are bad. If he beat Carlton this year, it doesn't matter. Okay. And round one as well, Collingwood uh, scored 50-something, 50, 50, yeah. 53 against yeah. the Dogs. So, and what was that? Uh, seven goals, 11. There you go. And that's that's against a top eight side. Well, what yeah. you would think. Not so, fixed, no, I, I don't think it's not okay. fixed. Good. Hey, did Chris Scott embarrass himself on Friday night with that, yes. with that quarter time? Absolutely. Um, there's been... There's being passionate, and then there's being an idiot, and he was being an idiot. When you've got, when you need your players to restrain you, yeah, it, it's pretty stupid. I agree. And, what he should have done was just, just punch a hole in the wall, like Clark. I would have. Yeah, he could have done. He could have done that. Not just that. Not just that. But at the end of the game, when he was asked about the umpires as well, I don't know if you yeah, heard I did. his press. No, I did. I did. He speaks to journalists in a very condescending way. And he he's does. A, he's a smart ass. He, he does sound like a smart ass. And, and it's just, it's not. That's not what you want, especially when like, we speak about it all the time. The fans want to hear from you as a coach. And when you're out there and your captain's holding you back because you can't control your emotions, you want to hear an explanation. Do we know Do we know who Chris Scott is? Have we seen Chris Scott's career highlights from yes. the early 2000s? Yes. We know who the bloke is. Yeah. So it's to be expected. He's a grumpy coach. Yeah. Hey, North are playing on Friday night. Uh, no, is it night or in the afternoon? Afternoon. Afternoon game. Afternoon. Uh, do they have to earn Good Friday footy? Because that w- is this a third? Correct me if I'm wrong. Third year they're playing Friday night. Uh, and they've always Friday done it. Yeah. Something like that. Third year or third, something. Third or it fourth. might be fourth. There might be fourth. I've um, lost count because there used to be no good Friday footy. Um, do they need to earn it? Because it is a prime time. People are at yes, home. I, on good I'd, Friday I'd rather have no football on Good Friday than watch <laughs> than watch North versus Bulldogs, which <laughs> I don't even think will get twenty thousand. And at <laughs> night, I think no it's I think it's Adelaide Gold Coast at yeah. night. Jeez. I mean, I'd rather have no football, and I'm I'm on that side at the moment. I've switched sides. I think there should be no football on Good Friday. I just think it's it might be the games being played, but I just think the I don't know the energy. It's just it's been sucked out well, of. You the, should be at church anyway, game. to be honest. Well, you I you don't be. know that it is a sacred day, and the, you don't know how many players, coaches, staff members would prefer to stay home on Good Friday and not go to a football match. It's not really a time to be celebrating with football and, you know. I think exactly. I think there's nothing lost by not having it. Yeah. There's nothing exactly. lost by not having it. I and I know they that, tried to make good by, you know, bringing in the Good, fo- good Friday appeal, are, but they can still continue that over the Easter yeah, weekend. But when, you, when you're part of broadcast deals and things like this, this is a golden opportunity. On like but a, it doesn't even rate that well, does it? I would assume it rates pretty well on it. It like might rate like if every you other put a better night. team than North on because everyone's home and they're going to exactly. be watching. It's if just, footy's on, you're going to be watching a footy game that we need. Um, but yeah, but I think the, the whole point of this was: should there be a better team on Good Friday, or you're saying scrap it altogether? Well, I think well the the marquee game of the round would be the Monday, fourth yeah. on Geelong and Easter Monday. Yeah. And so I think you, in terms of a broadcast deal, you'd make it up on the weekend with your regular Saturday and Sunday slots, and then the Monday. And the Thursday, just have Friday off. Hey, let's not end with some um, tweets. You can stick around for this. Hashtag the gym session. So tweet. This is from Freo Pope. He said, would it be any different? So this was our, our comments yesterday, yesterday, last week about um, Connor Downey not getting his debut or getting his debut but not getting on the, on the field. He said, would it be any different if he came on for five minutes and didn't touch it? If, club thinks it? if clubs think it hurts young players or should be avoided, then don't pick them as subs. Simple. I agree with Freo Pope. And I know Nick probably doesn't because you said the next the next best in should be there regardless. It's not about. I think you said it as well, but I think I I wouldn't give him a uh, a debut as a sub. I just think it's the it's um, similar in every other sport. Most most soccer players debut off the bench, and they might be three minute cameos, or they might just come on for thirty seconds in stoppage time, Mm. and not even you know go for a sprint. So it is what it is. Jeff Bryant, Collingwood with certainties against Carlton. Blow torch on Teague. Yeah, how long does he last, Gordo? I don't see Carlton. I don't think scrapping a coach at Carlton's going to do anything. Mm. They've done that enough already. Yep. Scrap him this year, Nico. For who? Oh, Clarko. That's right. <laughs> I, I did say, I said at the start of the year, Carlton don't make finals. Teague has to go. Yep. So I'll stick with that. Uh, Nick Gulimino, Jimmy Urawanka, thank you. Uh, Mitch Remington, I had to listen to your podcast. It's good stuff, brother. Thank you, Mitch. I really appreciate that. And I haven't talked to him in a while, so it was a pleasant surprise that he, he did email it in. I appreciate that. Nick Ladieri, your app rocks. It does rock. Very good. Carlton feeling dusty, feeling sad. Lukewarm Bev, keep it up, brother. Hard work pays off. Thank you. Appreciate that. Jonathan Pastore, the last one. 
Great chat with Jack Heverin. Ask the Monday Review Panel boys what their favourite footy food is. Gordo sounds like he's a $15 sushi and bottle of water type bloke. Nico surely goes the meat pie. Yeah, I meat think he's spot on. Uh, <laughs> is that what it is? He is. I mean, I like to change it up, but more often than not, it's going to be a pie. Yeah, a pie. You? Yeah, yeah. yeah well, I actually took a salad into the last game. You took yeah. a salad in. Are yeah. you allowed? Oh, wait, you're allowed food if, as long as it's not hot food. Is that correct? I don't know. I just I went, just in, took it in. went into down to Carlisle Street and got myself a feed me salad and then <laughs> Bang. brought it to me the footy. So. There you go. As long as you're not a cheese and platter type bloke. No, <laughs> no Melbourne supporters. Although I do like that. Hashtag <laughs> the gym session. Please get involved, guys. It's been a lot of fun. Uh, we hope your team wins on the weekend unless you go for Sydney. And we'll catch you next time.